0: Around the world, the last great message of the Creator is being carried with the mighty power of His enabling Spirit. Millions in Russia, America, Africa, Australia, and 200 other countries are saying yes to Christ, where the people once languished in the valley of the shadow of death. The light of the everlasting gospel is now shining. John and Beverly Carter, whose calling has led them to minister in many countries, now invite you to join them for an exciting hour of discovery. As the Word of God brings hope in despair, light in darkness, meaning in confusion, joy in sorrow, and life in death. I'm so glad today to welcome you to the Community Adventist Fellowship at 100 West Duarte Road, Arcadia, California. My topic today is the Temple of Doom and the signs of the end, also the destruction of Jerusalem. Before I bring you this message, I want to bring you my wife. And I'm so glad today that Beverly is here and Beverly has a message that comes hot from her heart to you. Would you please welcome my wife, Beverly, today. <laughs> I'm not going to do what Al Gore did.
1: <laughs> I read this on an old tombstone. Here lies Bill Smith. He did nothing in particular, and he did it very well. <laughs> Fortunately, there are millions in this world who do live lives that make a difference. In a recent Time magazine, there was an article about the new philanthropists. Karl Greenfeld wrote, we are the richest and strongest nation on earth. We have produced more millionaires, 2.5 million of them, and billionaires, 267 of them, than any other nation. We have discovered more cures and launched more new technologies. But are these measures of success the ones that really matter? To become fabulously wealthy, to win great fame, these are triumphs not of humanity, he says, but of vanity. Perhaps he's been reading the book of Proverbs. He goes on to say that over the last two decades of robust economic growth, Americans have too often reveled in that vanity. But in recent times, there has come a change and multimillionaires are now giving back. And Greenfeld contends that our generosity may be the best measure of our humanity. And I think we would all agree with that. One such billionaire, Bill Gates, has recently given or pledged $22 billion. However, for every Bill Gates, there are literally a million Morris Popes. The 81-year-old retired train engineer has given at least $500 to the Atlanta Food Bank every year since 1982. He also gives a tithe and his offerings to his church on his monthly income of $1,700. He's no Bill Gates. I may not have much to give, he says, but it gives me great pleasure and blessing to give what I can. Morris Pope understands the simple truth. We are not to be storerooms, but channels. Besides giving money, we can also give our time and our energy to help others. Such notables as General Colin Powell and the former president Jimmy Carter are great examples. General Powell works with children and youth while President Jimmy Carter builds homes for the poor. I think you would agree with me that it would be a much better world if we followed their example. Instead of hearing of so many random acts of violence, we would hear of more random acts of kindness. And the Bible gives us good counsel for the latter because it tells us to help the elderly and the children. We can help the elderly by fixing up the things that need fixing in their homes, perhaps picking up their medicine from the pharmacy, calling them on the phone or popping in just to let them know that someone cares. We can mentor fatherless boys and girls. We can teach them to read. We can teach them a sport that results in exercise. and also gives the opportunity to teach them the importance of having a good team spirit. Yes, we all can do something to help. And you know, we'll be remembered not so much by what we accumulated, but rather what we contributed to help others.
0: So pleased today to welcome you to our worship center at 100 West Duarte Road, Arcadia, California. My topic today is more than exciting. The topic is the last generation. The last generation. Are we part of the last generation? Will be answered today. The last generation, the temple of doom, the destruction of Jerusalem, the signs of the times, and the consummation of human history. I want you please today to take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, and verse one in the Holy Scriptures. Matthew chapter 24 and verse one, and I'm so glad to welcome each of you here today. Matthew 24 and verse one, Jesus left the temple. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Uh, What was this temple? This was the temple that was built in the days of King Herod. I want you to notice over here on the blackboard that here is a sketch of the old city of Jerusalem, and this area here is the Temple Mount. Uh, There you have the little valley. And then over on this side you have Mount Scopus and you also have the Mount of Olives. If you come closer to the temple you find that it was not just a tiny little thing. The temple in in itself was an immense structure. It was about 1,450 feet from north to south, which is far bigger than most of us have contemplated before, and from east to west about 950 feet. The temple stood on a massive stone foundation that reared itself up into the sky about 200 feet. It was really an, an ancient skyscraper and some have called it one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was built by Herod the Great and no expense was spared when they put up this structure. 950 feet and then 1450 feet from north to south. On the top of this you had the temple proper, the most sacred place. It measured 650 feet by 450 feet. This was made up by a number of different areas. This area here was was for the men, this area was for the women, this area for families, and this area only for the priests. And then inside this sacred area you had the holy place, which is there, and the most holy place. The doors of the holy place, this area here, those doors were 90 feet high and covered with gold. A magnificent structure. That's why the disciples said, Master, you see this magnificent building? They said, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. And Jesus said, yes, it is wonderful but there's not going to be left one stone upon another. Everything is going to be thrown down. And the Bible talks about the, the veil of the temple that was torn by an unseen hand from top to bottom. This is where the veil was. But inside the most holy place there was nothing, just a stone. Because the place had been empty for hundreds of years, there was no ark of the covenant. This had been lost. And so the disciples come and they say to Jesus, look at this magnificent temple. What's going to happen to this magnificent temple? And Jesus says, I want you to notice it. Verse 1 again. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. I want you to notice today that this great prophecy that talks about the temple of doom and the destruction of the ancient Jewish temple, the temple of King Herod, and the destruction of the city of Jerusalem was given in the context of a rebuke to the religious leaders of his day. A text without a context is a pretext and chapter 23 needs to be understood before you can understand chapter 24. If you notice chapter 23, Jesus is talking to the priests and the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And in verse 23, notice what he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of all your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, But you have neglected the more important matters of the law justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. The Pharisees made the dreadful spiritual mistake, my beloved friends, of majoring on the minors. The Bible says that they were great. In the principle of tithing, they paid tithe on all of these things. And Jesus taught the truth about tithing. The Bible teaches that a tenth of all that we have belongs to God. And every person who believes in Christ ought to be a tithe payer. But these people, my friend, were great on tithing, but they were not great on the great matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith, and the love of God. And so they were a people who would strain out a gnat in their spiritual warfare and they would swallow a camel. Jesus said they looked good on the outside but inside they were bad. If you read on, please, if you don't mind. Verse 25, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. The Bible teaches, my friend, the necessity of a heartfelt religion. And the Bible says... People can put a lot of emphasis on the outside, but it's what goes on inside that really counts. And these Pharisees were great in looking right, but they'd forgotten the words of Scripture that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so Jesus said, you're great on the outside. You clean up the outside. You go to church and you pay your tithes and you keep the Sabbath and you look great. But he said, you're filthy tombs inside. You're rotten inside. And because of their great sins, Jesus went on to pronounce a temple upon the holy place and the most holy place. He said the whole thing was going to be destroyed because it's not the outside that counts so much as the inside. If you'd read on, my friend, a little further, Jesus says, verse 27 "Would you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like white washed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. In the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. There is one thing that God hates. It's hypocrisy and wickedness. And because these people majored on minors, because they were great in the little things which were important and jesus said you ought to do the little things but because they were great on the little things and they ignored the big things and because inside they were full of dead men's bones and because their religion had spread through the whole of the jewish nation jesus said you see this place you see this magnificent spectacle People come from all around the world to gaze upon this great temple and they contemplate its majesty. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, every stone is going to be thrown down because it's not the outside so much that counts with God but what you and I are on the inside because God knows what we're like on the inside and God reads the human heart. Would you read on a little further with me my beloved friends? Would you read on verse 37? These are strong words where Jesus says, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A temple, my friend, is only of significance when the temple is filled with the presence of the Spirit of God. And the tragedy here is that the Spirit of God had left the Jewish temple. And when the Spirit of God left the Jewish temple because of the sin that was residing in the spiritual leaders, Jesus said, the holy place is no longer holy. And this place is left to desolate. And so gazing at this magnificent temple, standing on a stone foundation 200 feet high, And then capped by these tremendous buildings and finally capped by these great doors, 90 feet high, covered with gold. Jesus said, nothing's going to be left of it. It is going to be destroyed. And every word, every word came to pass. And what significance does it have for us today? profound significance this is not history this is a prophecy that concerns us living in the last days I want to tell you today I have a strong message from the from the Lord I have a strong message from God's word And I want it to sink by the grace of God down into your hearts. I want you to know that extraordinary times demand extraordinary preaching from the word of God. Would you please notice verse 2. Do you see all these things he asked? Matthew 24. I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age. This prophecy, my friend, is a dual prophecy at the very least. Because Jesus in this chapter gives the signs that will precede the overthrow of the temple in the year 70 AD. But those signs were local signs And those signs and those prophecies are going to be repeated on a world-wide scale before the end of the world. And you can have confidence in the fulfillment of the prophecy because if what happened back here came to pass with an absolute certainty, if that happened, my friend, with an absolute certainty, you can know the prophecies about the end of the world are also true. And Jesus said this generation will not pass until all these things have been fulfilled. And the question I plan by the grace of God to answer today is this. Could it be that we are that generation? Jesus said there is going to be a generation that is going to see and I quote his exact words all these things. What are all of these things? Because Jesus said there is going to be a generation living on this earth that are going to see all these things. And as there was a generation that saw all those things. You see Jesus said those words in 30 AD. Thereabouts. 30, 31 AD. And so there was a generation living that saw the overthrow of Jerusalem. That saw the destruction of the temple. There is going to be a generation that is going to see all these events. And they're going to see the coming of the Lord in power and in great glory to bring to an end the reign of sin and to set up his kingdom. Now, I want you to notice the prophecy. Please start. Verse 4 and 5. Verse 3 said, what, When will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now Jesus moves into this prophecy. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Jesus said there are going to be, he said there are going to be false messiahs and they are going to deceive many. Has that prophecy been fulfilled is the question today. Yes, before Jerusalem was overthrown in 70 AD, There were false people who came and who claimed to be the Messiah. As it was, so shall it be. I want you to realize that. As it was, so shall it be. Keep on reading with me, please. Verses 6 and 8. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end, the end is still to come, Jesus said. Uh, Then he says, verse 7, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pangs. I want to take a piece of chalk. I want to write this here for you. The Bible says that there will be signs. False Christs. Then Jesus said, nation against nation, famines and pestilences and earthquakes. Did this happen? Yes, it has happened. This has been fulfilled. This was fulfilled in the years leading up to 70 A.D. There were false Christs, there were famines, there were pestilences, and there were earthquakes. Some of these are already recorded in the New Testament. And Jesus said, it's going to be... There are going to be tremendous earthquakes that are going to shake the earth in the last days. Such as this world has never seen. There are going to be famines such as this world has never seen. There are going to be false Christs. There are going to be religious deceivers. And Jesus said watch for it because the end is still coming. Please read on with me please. Jesus said these are the birth pangs. Now I received news last night that one of the members of our church His wife yesterday had a little baby. Uh, George has become an uncle. And Carla has become an aunt. Now the baby is on the way when the pains commence. I've had three children. I've never felt the pains. But I've seen them operating. When the pains are there, then the baby is coming. Jesus says, the false Christ... The wars, nation against nation, uh, famines, pestilences, earthquakes. These are the birth pangs that give birth to a new world. It has been, so shall it be. Keep reading please. Verse 9, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Now we should pause on this. The Bible says that one of the signs that would come to the people back there before Jerusalem was overthrown by Titus in 70 AD was persecution of believers. Were the believers persecuted? Yes, history tells us that the believers were persecuted. The Bible teaches that before the end of the world there's going to be worldwide persecution. And the believers are going to be put into prison. Many of the believers are going to be put into prison. Many of the believers were taught in the book of Revelation are going to be put to death. Persecution is going to come upon the church to purify the church, and many would say the church needs it. Now verse 10, at that time, during the time of persecution, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. This has been called the Judas Complex. Just as there were false disciples back here before Jerusalem was overthrown. So there will be false disciples in the last days. When we talk about the word, when we even mention the word, Judas, we feel a sense of revulsion. That he was a man who knew Christ. And a man who professed to be a disciple, who professed to be true and loyal. But all the time he was working to undermine the Master. Of course he was a follower of the first great rebel who said, I will be like the Most High. And you'll discover, my friend, that schisms in churches are not caused usually because of some theological difference, they're caused because of pride and arrogance and a love of money. They are the reasons. And the Bible says, as it was back here, we must expect before the end of time people in the church who will have the Judas complex. And they will be, will be pretending. They'll be the great pretenders. They'll be pretending to support the church and the mission of Christ. And they'll, they'll be working to sell the church for 30 pieces of silver. As it was, so shall it be. Read on, my friend. Verse 11, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. This is serious. The Bible talks about religious leaders with the capacity of deception. And you say to me today, Pastor Carter, how can I know the true from the false? Because many of you may not know. The truth from the false. How can you know the truth from the false? Jesus said by their fruits you'll know them. And fruits do not appear overnight. An apple tree is not planted on Monday and doesn't bear fruit on Tuesday. It takes a period of time. It takes a period of time before the first fruits appear in the life of a false prophet. And so Jesus said beware because there are going to be deceivers and they're going to work with such deception that they will deceive if it were possible even the very elect. It has happened, so shall it be. And it is happening today. Look at verse 12, my dear friends. Because of the increase of wickedness the love of most will grow cold. I wish these words were not cold Said by our Lord, he talks about a reign of wickedness which happened before Jerusalem was overthrown, which I will refer to as I get along today. Jerusalem became a cesspool of every iniquity that you can think of. I'm going to tell you the story in a few moments. But the Bible says that this world is going to become a cesspool of evil and wickedness. And the Bible says concerning believers, the love of most of them, the the love of the majority is going to grow cold. In other words, the vast majority of people who name the name of Christ today are going to give up the faith and join with the Antichrist. Can you believe this? The Bible says, and it happened back here in the days of the apostles, so shall it be in our own day. Because iniquity will abound. Today, my friend, we see the same fruit coming in our world as was born before Jerusalem was overthrown. We see a callous disregard for human life I will not magnify this but we have today a callous disregard for babies and for children a callous disregard for human life without parallel in the history of the world and professing Christian support this callous disregard for life we have today in this world in which we live The glorification of perverted sexual practices. And these practices are encouraged by the people in the media. We get our news from the media. Most of us believe the media. And the media, my friend, is as liberal as you can imagine and upholds all types of sexual perversions so that even little boy scouts are booed because of their beliefs. There is a spirit of lying today which is the basis of this evil. And the Bible talks about these things becoming so prevalent that people believe the lie. And people who profess to be Christians believe the lie. And I would suggest to them the reason people are so uninformed is that they are so gullible because they do not read the Bible. Our duty is to think for ourselves. Listen to me. Your duty is not to follow the pastor. Your duty is to think for yourself and to follow the Word of God. That is your duty. But most people, my friend, are so gullible and they do not know what they believe. They have no convictions. They go to any church because of some superficial reason that they like the edifice, they like the building, they like the stained glass window, they like the pastor's smile, they like the social entertainment but not because they love the word of God or understand its message. And such people, the Bible says, are going to be deceived and they're going to be lost. The Bible says, the love of most will grow cold. Verse 13 says, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Look at me. The mark of a mature person is endurance, mental, emotional, spiritual stability. The mark of a disciple of Christ is not that he is a flake but that he is a soldier of the cross and can be depended upon. I want you to ask yourself the searching question without my embarrassing you. How dependable are you in your relationships to the church and to God? The Bible says, He that shall endure to the end shall be saved. This race that we run is not an easy race, but the prize is wonderful. He that shall endure to the end, he will stand in spite of, of scorn and persecution and evil and all of the abominations of hell, he will be there at the last. Because his faith is in God and he has an intelligent understanding of the word of God. Verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end shall come. Did you know this has happened? Did you know this happened back in the days of the Apostle Paul? In the book of Colossians he says that he preached the gospel, that, that gospel that's been preached to every creature under heaven. Before Jerusalem was overthrown, the gospel had been taken to the entire then known world. And when the gospel had had gone to the then known world, then the end of Jerusalem came. Listen to me. You can't stop the tide from coming in. There's some things you can't stop. You can't stop the gospel being preached. And in spite of wickedness and famines, and Judases, and flanks. In spite of false disciples, the gospel is being preached and will be preached to the whole wide world. It is happening today. As it was, so shall it be. Please read on, would you mind? Verse, let me see. Verse 15. (laughs) So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Listen very, very carefully to this. Those of you who are in Bible study with me on Tuesday night, Well remember I was talking about the Antichrist who was called in scripture the abomination of desolation. Back in the days of the Bible the great power just before 70 AD the great power of Rome came and stood around Jerusalem. Jesus said when you see it Flee. It seemed impossible. But I will tell you in a moment how the prophecy was fulfilled and how it came to pass. In the same way, in the last days, the great antichrist of Bible prophecy, the abomination of desolation, is going to surround the Holy Church of God and God's people will know that the end has come and that the destruction of human civilization is at hand just before Jesus returns to save his own. The abomination of desolation refers first and foremost to the Roman armies around Jerusalem in 66 A.D. and then the prophecy has a double application and refers to the Antichrist around the church just before the end. Please read on with me. Matthew 24, verse 15 again, So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress unequal from the beginning of the world until now. And never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Let me give you some very, very important history. In the year 66 A.D., the Jews revolted against the Romans. They'd had enough. There were three reasons for the revolt. Number one, the Romans had bad procurators and the Jews were being badly treated. That was the first reason. But number two, the Jewish people, through their leaders, misinterpreted the prophecies of the Old Testament. They believed that they were the chosen people, and they believed in the idea of triumphalism. We are the holy remnant, they said, and nothing can happen to our temple. We are the chosen few. Because they believed that they were the chosen few, and because they perverted the prophecies of the Old Testament that seemed to speak about their success, they revolted against the Romans. And there was another reason that this terrible trouble came upon them. Because 40 years before, 30, 40 years before, they had nailed on a cross the Messiah. And because of this rejection of Christ, all this evil came. When the revolt came in 66 A.D., The Romans called upon one of their generals, Cestius Gallus, with 25,000 to 30,000 soldiers. And he marched down from Syria, and he surrounded the city of Jerusalem. There were thousands of people inside, including many, many, many Christians. And when they saw the soldiers, the Roman soldiers of Cestius Gallus, they remembered the words of Jesus. And they said, Jesus said, we've got to flee. My friend, how can you flee when you're surrounded by the soldiers of Rome? But then historians say, listen to this, it's amazing. This is why I'm a believer. For some strange, inexplicable reason, Cestius Gallus retreated, went down the Beth Horon road to the coast. And the Jews came out and took them on and in one day killed 6,000 Roman soldiers. And they struck a coin on which they printed the words, In our first year of liberty we have defeated the Romans because we are the holy remnant. But the Christians knew better. They left the temple of doom. And they fled to a little town by the name of Pella in the Decapolis area. And when the Romans came back later, not one Christian was inside because they believed the words of Jesus. Nero, after this debacle in 66 AD, appointed Vespasian as the general in charge of Palestine. During the winter of 66-67, he put together a splendid army Inside the city of Jerusalem there was unspeakable horror. Because the Romans carried on a campaign not against Jerusalem but against Israel, the land of Israel. And they drove the Jews into the city. They destroyed and they destroyed and they destroyed but not half as much as the Jews did. Inside the city of Jerusalem unspeakable horrors were practiced. The time of trouble came upon them. There were three factions led by John of Giscala, Simon Bargeara, and Eliezer, a priest. They murdered, they killed, the innocent were victimized. Then they started to burn each other's food supplies. The horror that went on inside Jerusalem, Siegfried Horn told me, has never been repeated even in present day wars. It was a time of trouble such as had never been up to that time. Nero died in AD 68 in the June of that year and so the fighting ceased. Vespasian did not want to fight the Jews if he didn't have an emperor. And when the fighting ceased in that year, 68 A.D., at the death of Nero, the Jews said, we have won, God is with us. We are the people of the book. We are the people of the prophecy. We are the remnant, and we are destined in the plan of God to triumph and triumph gloriously. But then the Romans appointed Vitalius as the emperor, He did not last for long. He was murdered, and Vespasian, who was the general fighting the Jews, was placed as the emperor on the throne of Rome. He had a son, a remarkable young man whose name was Titus, and he let Titus loose in Palestine with 80,000 Roman soldiers. And in the year 70 AD, in the month of April, The Romans appeared outside the walls of Jerusalem for the first time in four years. The soldiers under Titus set up two camps, one upon Mount Scopus, one upon the Mount of Olives. The Jews are mighty soldiers as they always have been, and they came out of Jerusalem and almost routed the soldiers here on Mount Scopus. But Titus himself flung himself into the battle, and they drove back the Jews. Then the Romans built a wall around Jerusalem. They did not have to fight very hard because the people inside were destroying themselves. The Spirit of God had left the city. If you read Josephus, you read a a tale of horror without parallel. The time of trouble came upon them. They practiced cannibalism. They practiced throwing babies up in the air, the babies of their enemies, other Jews, and catching them on their spears. And then after a period of time, some of the Jews came out of the city and they tried to surrender to the Romans. But in the very place where Jesus had been crucified, the Romans took the Jews and nailed them to crosses. The crosses were so thick you couldn't walk between them. And those whom they let go they mutilated and they sent them back into the city. Then they discovered that some of the Jews were swallowing their gold to try to escape. And so every Jew they caught they disemboweled him. And in that Jew they found his gold. Horror. Hell. Why did it happen? Why did it happen? Because the Son of God came to his own and his own received him not. This is not to find fault with the Jewish people. It is to find fault with our sinful human nature. The reign of terror went on unabated. Inside the city, Josephus says, there were 1,200,000 souls. Imagine it. More than a million people. But their grain was gone. Deserters were crucified. Titus gave them offers of peace. But they said, we don't need any offers of peace from the Romans. Because the Messiah is going to come and he's going to save us. We are the remnant. We are the people of prophecy. But the Messiah didn't come. He would already come. I want you to notice verse 28. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Look at me. Jerusalem became a carcass. A filthy, stinking, rotten carcass. The eagles gathered. The Romans had a symbol. The eagle. The Romans around Jerusalem. Eagles around the stinking carcass. Listen carefully. The Bible says that before the end, as Jerusalem became a cesspool of evil, and violence, and anarchy, so a time of trouble is going to come to the world. There's going to be, the Bible says, a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. There's going to be war, there's going to be bloodshed, blood is going to run in the streets. There's going to be worldwide starvation. Are you ready for these times? You say, I don't want to hear about these things. Whether you hear about it or not, it's still going to happen. Today I urge you to seek God. I urge you to come to Christ. Get ready for what is going to happen. My friend, we are living in the time of fulfillment of prophecy. All these prophecies back here came to pass. These prophecies, too, are coming to pass. Some of them have already been fulfilled. And the rest of them are soon going to be fulfilled. And so, the year went by. And then September of that year, 70 A.D., Titus broke into the city. The temple had already been destroyed. You see, the Jews were congregated here. They said, God's going to save us here in the temple. My friend, don't trust in temples. They said, God's going to save us here in the temple. But the Romans said, Come out and fight like men. But they stayed in the temple. So a Roman soldier went down there with a flaming torch. Titus had given the order, don't touch the temple, it is the temple of Yahweh. The Romans tried to save the temple, but the prophet Daniel said, the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Not the prince, the people. Titus rushed down he said, don't touch the temple. But a Roman soldier enraged at the evil that he saw in the temple, picked up a flaming torch and threw it into the temple and the curtains caught on fire. The gold melted, ran down the steps. The Romans took out their short knives and waded into the crowds. <coughs> Jesus said, your temple is left unto you desolate. Why? Because the Spirit of God had left it. Where there's no Spirit of God, there's no desolation. And where there's no Jesus, there's no Spirit of God. And so, at the end of 70 A.D., the whole city came into the hands of the Romans. When the Romans got inside the city, they found 91,000 people left out of 1.2 million. Whole houses were full of stinking carcasses. They had killed themselves. Then the Romans took them, John of Giscala and Simon, Bagiar and Eliezer. And when the Romans marched down the streets of Rome with Titus, he took the Jews captive. His blood be on us and on our children. They went to the circus maximus, and they went to the galleys, and they went to the mines. The world has never seen anything like it. Listen, it's going to be repeated on a world-wide scale. Time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, the greatest tragedy is that not only is the world asleep, but the church is asleep. Unprepared for these great events. Please read on. Verse 24 and onwards, please. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect if that were possible. See, I've told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out. Here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from the one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never away. Listen. I want to read you a statement from the servant of God, which is a remarkable statement. Listen to this, and then everything will fall into place, I hope. She wrote this December 16, 1848. The Lord gave me a view of the shaking of the powers of the heavens. I saw that when the Lord said heaven, in giving the signs recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he meant heaven. And when he said earth, he meant earth. The powers of heaven are the sun, moon, and stars. They rule in the heavens. The powers of earth are those that rule on the earth. The powers of heaven will be shaken at the voice of God. Then the sun, moon, and stars will be moved out of their places. They will not pass away, but be shaken by the voice of God. Dark, heavy clouds came up and clashed against each other. I love these words. The atmosphere parted and rolled back. Then we could look up through the open space in Orion. and whence came the voice of God, the holy city will come down through that open space. I saw that the powers of earth are now being shaken and that events come in order. War and rumor of war, sword, famine and pestilence are first to shake the powers of earth. Then the voice of God will shake the sun, moon, the stars. Listen. What happened May 1970 and on a local scale, 1833, is going to be repeated on a worldwide scale. When the evil in this world are about to destroy God's people, we're told in great controversy, under the sixth plague, a supernatural darkness covers the earth. That's the real dark day. When Jesus comes There are going to be great celestial events on a worldwide scale. I hope to see the great dark day. I hope to see the stars fall. I hope I'm around for the great earthquake. Because the generation that sees all those things will see the coming of Christ. We could be. The last generation. Listen. I have given you today not opinions. I have given you overwhelming proof. The prophecy about Jerusalem and the temple. Came to pass. There is no doubt about it. The signs that told of the overthrow of Jerusalem. Came to pass. There is no doubt about it. There were even celestial signs back there before Jerusalem was overthrown. In the same way as the prophecy concerning 70 AD came to pass so the prophecies concerning the last days will also come to pass and I want you to know that everything that is happening in the world today and in America indicates that we could be the last generation. Think about it. People back in the days of Jesus heard this sermon. Some listened and obeyed. Others rejected. Those who rejected died in the destruction of Jerusalem. The same way today Those who hear the word of God, who reject it, will die in the destruction of the world. But those who listened to Jesus and who obeyed the word, who followed Christ, were safe and saved. How can we be saved? That is the question. By doing what they didn't do. The religious leaders rejected him. Let us accept him. The religious leaders said, if I look good on the outside, I'm fine on the inside. Jesus said, don't be foolish. Don't major on minors, major on majors without neglecting the minors. Jesus said, what you are inside is what counts more than anything else. It's no good looking great on the outside if inside you're just a filthy dead man's tomb, said the Lord. So religion, if it is genuine, must change a person inside. If it doesn't change us inside, It's just a lot of hogwash and hot air. So we must have a religion that comes from God, that leads us to God, and the fruitage of that religion makes us children of God, changed inside. We've got to be washed in the blood of Christ and not just washed outside. But washed inside, therefore Jesus said, "Be ready for on such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Amen.